0: figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home, talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast.
1: So today I am so excited because mom, you and I get to have a conversation, just you and me. Yep dad's not here, Brooke's not here, Mm -hmm. and I just get to pick your brain a little bit and glean from your wisdom and help all the moms listening do the same thing. And today, I just want to talk about motherhood in general and something that kind of took me by surprise in becoming a mom. You know, I had always wanted to be a mom. To me, it was not a question. I didn't have to wrestle with do I want kids, do I not? I was kind of like the classic fairy tale little girl. I want to get married and I dreamed of my wedding and I just played with baby dolls all the time. I didn't have like big career aspirations. And I honestly think I didn't like think through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I looked up to you and you were a stay at home mom. And so motherhood was really a strong desire for me. And I had my first child and it wasn't like a really hard transition, but the more that I've had and the further I've gotten into motherhood, I've honestly been surprised and I would say even shocked by how hard it is and how the parts that I just never had any idea would be hard or monotonous or exhausting I just, you know, those are the fairy tale things no one tells mm-hmm. us about. Yeah. But I felt like I was groomed for it, prepared for it, and yet completely unprepared mm-hmm. for the fact that motherhood is so hard. Yeah. And so I, I yeah. know that I'm not alone in that and yeah. that there are so many moms who are feeling the same thing. And more than anything in my life, even more than my marriage and those types of relationships, I'm seeing it highlight my flaws. Mm-hmm. and bring out things in me not things that weren't there before things that i'm sure were there but that i got really good at managing mm-hmm. and then the more stretched we are the more i can't manage those things and so my flaws are on display mm-hmm. front and center and so i just want to start a conversation you yes, are you've good. gone through this mm-hmm. you're years ahead of me in this and the, ahead of most of the moms listening and So that's just, that's my conversation starter. Not all positive, but I just want us to start having that conversation because I think it's real Mm -hmm. and I think it's honest. And
2: and I think it's important to be honest and talk about it. And I think... I honestly did you a disservice when you were younger by not talking about and even maybe not identifying to myself some of my own feelings of um, helplessness and hopelessness sometimes, and just the sheer monotony yeah. of having young children, especially, and their constant present. We're both introverts, yeah. and you just kiss those times goodbye. Alone, mm-hmm, goodbye, mm-hmm. and i didn't share them with you really, for a very intentional reason, although we wish I had now at the time, I heard so much complaining yeah. about being a mom, yeah, and remembered overhearing complaints, yeah, when I was growing up and taking it personally, yeah, absolutely. something's wrong yeah. with me, yeah, instead of just taking it in context, and I so wanted you kids to know that you were treasured. Um, but the reality is, um, it would have been better if I had prepared you for the reality of raising children. Mm. Your children are not intended to satisfy you or to fulfill you. Yeah. And they won't. They yeah. just won't. You will pour so much more into your children than your children will ever give back to you. Now, it is mm. surprising that as adults, we have this great friendship. Yeah. And we have these great relationships, but that's not the... The intention. Yeah. The intention is I'm giving my life to these humans, and I'm called by God for a period of time to develop them to the best I can and to men and women who just cling to and love Jesus, know how to be in relationship with others and Mm -hmm. find their calling in, in their lives. It's not supposed to be for me to be the happy homemaker. Yeah who just has these children who just say thank you for everything oh, and yeah. just have delightful table manners. You mean manners. it's not going <laughs> to actually look like Instagram all the never, time. Never, yeah. never. You know how much I love order, and every day our house was a disaster. <laughs> I never loved the, that feeling of almost constant disorder in yeah. our home. And um I'm just now realizing... That, you know, I think we've kind of laughed about that. I feel like I I was a mom at 21 and I'm 60 now. And it was about 50 that I thought, okay, I should have waited to have kids till I was about 50 because then I was emotionally (laughs) ready. I remember when you
1: said that. (laughs) And I remember you saying God had some design in there. He knew what he was doing. But I think, you know, the longer I'm a mom, and you would agree to this too, that motherhood is transformative. Like, and it's supposed to be, it's all the hardness and all the flaws it brings out. It exposes them. So then we have to deal with them and it transforms us into the likeness of Christ if we let it. Yes. And like that, and that is a beautiful thing, but that's a messy process. It is. And it's not, it doesn't happen in the way that we would like it to be or that is comfortable. Yeah.
2: And I, I think being able to talk honestly is not the same as complaining about our kids. Yeah, so
1: let's talk about that for a minute because I think, and and I, I doubt this has changed from when you were yeah. raising us when we were little. I, I would imagine it's the same. Maybe it's worse now where I think, regardless of whether it's within the church, believers, unbelievers, I think we do two things with motherhood. We are sarcastic about it and Mm -hmm. we complain Mm -hmm. in front of our kids, Mm -hmm. call them little terrors and say, oh, we love our kids, but they drive me nuts. You know, we- In front of them. Yeah. We make jokes and some of that, like there's room for sarcasm Mm -hmm. and, you know, that sometimes we'd need a little bit of that to get us through the day. Or we put on a big smile uh-huh. And we only take the Instagram photos of the perfect moments and yes. we act like we love every second right. of it. And isn't my toddler just so cute? And yes. and we become this kind of not fully real person. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've struggled with I don't really connect with either. I don't mm-hmm. it's not all sunshines and roses all the time, mm-hmm. nor is it this horrible thing that I wish I could get away from. I love my kids and I love motherhood. But to me, it's it's it depends on the day it's somewhere in the middle. and yes. how do we talk honestly while honoring our children mm-hmm. and honoring the role that and the gift that God's allowed us to be mothers? Yes. I mean, how many moms would just give anything yes. to be a mom? Yes, and they hear us complain, and how offensive is that to them? Yeah, you know, so I think there's that side. And then there's also, you know, we see how honest Jesus was talking to his father, God, like he mm-hmm. didn't hide the raw emotion yeah so, like, how do we have this healthy conversation as moms with each other to come mm-hmm. alongside each other and encourage each other in a way that's both honorable and real? yeah, like how do
2: we do that? I don't know, but I let me tell you maybe some things suggestions that I would make of how not to do that, yeah, no rants on Facebook, yeah, I just yes. I just every year when summer starts, school gets out for the summer. Within a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll go on to Facebook and read these rants yeah. about their children. And I think, don't do that. That's not the place. Yeah. Your children are going to read that. They're going to hear that. And yeah. they may not have the maturity to understand that you love them yeah. and you're actually exposing your own honest weaknesses. Yeah. Um, these are the kind of things that should be talked about between women, between yeah. mothers and daughters, between friends with... The, out of the hearing of your children to unburden sometimes and because we need to bear each other's burdens. Mm-hmm. And that is a way of loving each other. I say, yes, Elizabeth, I understand how hard this is. But in two years, I just said yeah. it to you yesterday, I think, yeah. do you realize in yes. two years the difference it's yeah. gonna make? And come a- and then you have been honest with me when you moved three three and a half hours away. And came to me and said, "I know I'm the one who moved, but mm-hmm. this is really hard. Is there any way, Mom, that you could come up? Yeah, even if it was every couple months and give me a few mm-hmm. days, just a couple of days to to help me. Yeah. Well, you being able to put words to that, I would not have imposed myself on you, mm-hmm. but you put words to you had a need. You're my daughter. Yeah. Every mother wants to do everything she can do." to help a daughter who cries out to her and says, help me. And And it only took
1: me 10 years to learn that. I'm 10 years into motherhood. So here (laughs) I am. Here I am this
2: weekend. Tomorrow we're going to deep clean your house before school starts, before homeschool starts, something you never thought you wanted to do to add to your crazy life. And up here to give you a little bit of time. So that's beca- came because you were honest. Yeah. Because you said to me, this is harder than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And for a person who's as competent and capable as you, that kind of cry really gets listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so mothers and daughters and and between friends helping and each to other. Ask for help. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. even asking for prayer. Mm-hmm. I'm just feeling like this is a particularly hard season. Yeah. And then coming alongside to, to help each other, I think it's just really important—just being able to pour out your hearts to each other, yeah. honestly, without blaming it on your kids. Yeah, like, um, like you were saying, you could—you saw stuff in yourself that was probably oh, always there, but it brought up mm-hmm. out the worst of you at mm-hmm. times. Is bringing out the worst of you at times? Yeah, that's putting it on yourself instead of blaming for your children. And yeah, it is also one of the beauties of motherhood because. I now have, after raising you kids, an endurance that is foreign to my natural way of being. Naturally, always before, when things got too hard, I just gave up. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, that's not going to work for me. I'll just bow out, back out, give up. That's natural to my personality. And it's a Mm -hmm. weakness in me. But after you can't do that with your children. No, no. You have to see them through to the end, and yeah. the end never really comes. I'm still your mom. Yeah. Um, so there's an endurance in me that could not be said of me when I was younger, and a resilience. Yes. The realizing I can take the worst that life throws at me now, mm-hmm. with Jesus, that He gives me a strength in the midst of things that I didn't think I would have the strength for. Yeah. That. All of that has come from being a mom, being focused on being a mom for all those years. And even the fact that I had to put away my own desires for certain seasons of my life, the things I wanted out of life had to be set aside for a period of time has done nothing but helped me to go deeper and to do some of the necessary soul work that all of us have to do to really become the people God intends for us to do.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd love to talk about that for a minute because I think, and I share this with friends all the time, we're watching you in this stage of your life has given me so much hope in this intense stage of parenting two toddlers and two older kids. And what I mean by that is when we were growing up, you were a stay-at-home mom and you your primary thing that you did, and I would say I mean, it's not the only thing you did, but pretty close, pretty close, was raise us kids and manage the home. And you said no to pretty much everything else because, not because you it would have been wrong to say yes mm-hmm. to things, but because of how you're wired, mm-hmm. you're nine on the Enneagram. That's what you could do. That yes. was like the capacity you had, the yes. energy you had for the day, if okay. we're going to use Enneagram language and you knew that and you mm-hmm. became really aware of that and you fully lived into that not trying to be somebody that you yeah. weren't now somebody yeah. else might have more capacity or mm-hmm. more energy and be able to maintain some other things while doing that but you knew that was what you needed to focus on and you gave yourself wholeheartedly like i don't think us kids ever felt any like resentment from you or man mom wishes she could do all these other things and we're holding her back like you you gave it freely and you expressed your enjoyment of it but then as I've gotten to watch, as we all got older, kind of as, you know, Matthew, there's kind of a gap. So he mm-hmm. was in the home longer, but kind of it's when he was in high school and you guys were planting solid rock at the time and you started to use all of these gifts and muscles that maybe, maybe yeah. they were there all along. But to me, I was like, whoa, she like has a job now, <laughs> uh, which you had a job all along. But you started a whole career after mm-hmm. all of us were gone. That you had been sowing into and mm-hmm. and feeding, I think, as you were raising us. And I think mm-hmm. God used that capacity. He grew in you as we were being raised to now you have this whole flourishing. Now, like I've had to get used to the fact that my mom works now. Mm-hmm. and She's not just like available all the time. You travel, you speak places, you have this whole ministry mm-hmm. that you and dad are building. And now we're on the team. And so you've given me so much hope about giving my life away to this season of the needs of my family wholeheartedly while keeping interests and passions alive, but knowing there's, I get a whole like second part of life after this. So I have this like daily perspective Mm -hmm. in front of me, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot of moms don't always have that Mm -hmm. picture and perspective. So can you like tell us about that? Did that surprise you? Was that like something you always hoped for or like, how did that, Never part of the plan. Really, I just gave
2: myself to being a mother wholeheartedly. Like you said, I recognize that I'm limited in my capacity. I'm a a one-thing-at-a-time person. Just focus on one thing. I'm not a multitasker at all. Um, So when you – and Phil's, your dad's job was a lifestyle job as a pastor – So there wasn't like a beginning and an ending of his work week. It was all the time. So it was important also for me to be able to stay home, to be able to make that possible. And I wanted to minimize the damage, honestly, that a lifestyle job and ministry can sometimes do to a family by, by, by being fully there and involved with you. I had no idea that there was something ahead, and I mm-hmm. wish I had known that. Yeah. I wish somebody had said to me, Diane, you're going to have years, perhaps decades yeah. ahead after your kids no longer need you in the same way. And if I had, I would have been developing some of those skills, some of the skills that were rising to the surface when when I was raising you. Yeah. But I can tell you that now. Yeah. So yeah. in these intense years of raising children, Of course, you see on Instagram the women who are heads of a hundred million dollar (laughs) successful business that they started while they're raising the perfect children. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's just not my world.
1: Yeah. And so, well, I don't think it's their world
2: either. We're just seeing a snapshot. Yeah. yeah. It almost becomes a pressure that you're supposed to be being successful at 32 with a couple of children in, in your home instead of realizing that you have years. Yes. And in fact, if you start too early, your work won't be of the quality that you want it to be. Yeah, Because these years of raising children, we go deeper, we do the inner work, um, yeah. we recognize our, our weaknesses, and we begin to address them, we, we maybe get counseling for some of the yeah. areas of our lives that are wounded, um, mm-hmm. and then we're we're in the word, so we're learning who we are. But the scripture that I just drew me up one day when I had towards the end of dependent children's years comes out of Ephesians two ten, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read it to you out of a wonderful paraphrase called the Passion Translation. Um, but this is what gave me a vision for there might be more after motherhood. Mm. We have become his poetry, God's poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. Mm. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it.
0: Mm. What
2: that paints a picture for me is that every man and woman has a calling. And yes, my calling started with motherhood. But out of that calling has come a different calling, or maybe on top of that calling has been built a calling. I have tasks to do that Mm. if I don't do them, the kingdom of God will be poorer because of it. And Mm. so do you. And so for for me to help you have a vision that there's a, a time ahead where you can devote full time to this vision and to these gifts that you had, now is a time to learn who you are, first of all. Mm. Who am I? I yeah. learned that I'm not a multitasker, that I'm a one-person specialty, not all over the place. Other women learn that they gain energy by doing several different things at the same time and lose Mm -hmm. energy by focusing. Learn who you are, then develop who you are. How can Mm -hmm. I be more of who I am? Not how can I be a better person, but better at being who I really am. Yeah. These are the years where you learn how to do that. And then I would just say to every young mom, ask God to give you a vision for your future. Mm. For when your life is not taken up with just either a part-time or full-time job that you don't absolutely adore. It's just a job because you need insurance or you need to pay the bills or you need to pay off your student loans. Mm -hmm. And look ahead for a vision that my God might have for you for the future. And it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. I never wanted to be a speaker. Um, I like to sit in the back row. It's something I still would never choose. Um, But I see that it is part of my calling right now. Yeah. Um, it is part of what he has for me. And there's a certain dissatisfaction and surprise with that. But I always loved to read, mm-hmm. learned. I feel like I was discipled by women authors, you mm-hmm. know, without ever talking to them. I learned so much. I had so little background of faith that I feel like I was discipled by Elizabeth Elliot and some of the others of yeah. my generation who were speaking into young wives. And so it isn't totally surprising that then I began to get this itch to write. Could yeah. could I do that? And I thought, of course, I thought, no, no, I'm just a mom. You know what the mm-hmm. lies we hear and yeah. tell ourselves. And yet God has satisfied that vision and that longing for me that now I've written two books and I'm writing my third. Yeah. And I never thought that would be, but that really came out of my being a mother.
1: Yeah, I, I remember you would write. There. You would write in the morning all yes. the time yeah. without a goal to go do no. something with it. No, no, it was always someday. Someday I want to yes. write a book. Someday, but no rush. No. you know. And I think that's what you just give me so much hope of. There's no rush. Like, yes, there's I've no rush. I've got lots of time. I only have a little bit of time to pour into these kids. You know that saying we hear all the time. Yes. But it's so true. The days are long, but the years are short. Yes, like we hear it so much that we don't really. Let it sink in. Yes. But it's so true. It's and the longer so you're mother, the more you realize how true it is. And as far as
2: impact on the kingdom, I still believe raising you four kids yeah. to love and walk with Jesus and to be healthy, whole people with all your flaws and failures yeah. Yeah. and even your woundedness that comes yeah. from even... Even when the last thing I wanted to do was wound my own children and I wounded yeah. my own children.
1: We're all imperfect. So we will. You're, yeah.
2: You're in the process of that right now. Yeah. Um. But out of that, that, it, that is my greatest contribution, I believe, to the kingdom. Yeah. But there's an invitation awaiting you for later. Yeah. For a time oh, in your so life good. where God is going to beckon to you and say, mm-hmm. Okay, Elizabeth, I'm so pleased with, with what you're doing, but I have something more for you. Mm, and yeah. it's going to be better than you imagined. Yeah. And that's the way his invitations are always better mm-hmm. than you imagined. And I'm in that stage of my life now, completely surprised by it. Yeah. And loving every moment. Um, I think the empty nest is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> And that's well, from a career mom. Is it bad mom. that I already
1: look forward to yes. it? Yes. I love my kids. Love yes. my kids. But I do look forward to that mm-hmm. time. And I think that's hugely because I'm watching how much fun you're having. Yes. And it looks <laughs> real fun. But what I hear you saying, um, and I don't know if this sticks for those listening, but to sew into your limitations. Yes. To not fight them. Yes. And the season of the kids being young and this being really the primary thing mm-hmm. that you can do, need to do. Um, but to use that time to let it grow you and grow your capacity and bring out gifts in you that really wouldn't be built up any other way. And to rather than fight that to sow into it, not just, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were going to, we kind of talked about using the word accepting your limitations, which I feel like what I'm kind of learning in this season, but I think a step further is that like actively sewing into it. Mm -hmm. Like what can I do? What can I learn about myself Mm -hmm. through my reactions to my kids Mm -hmm. or through the parts of motherhood that have been surprisingly hard for me and my Mm -hmm. personality? What can I learn about myself? Mm -hmm. And even future, like what does that tell me about maybe the – the things I probably am not going to want to do later in life, yes. you know the things that don't come naturally to me, you know I've been reading, and I shared this with you um this book called Sacred Fire by Ronald Roheiser and Brooke read it years ago, and he's raved about it, and I'm mm-hmm. always a little slower to I just don't have a lot of time to read, but I'm finally reading it, and I get why he's raved about it. I highly recommend it, especially if you are like around the age of thirty or a little older and kind of entering that second half of life it it will really speak to you, but He's speaking about, and there's so much I could read, but I'm just going to read part of it. But he's speaking about this idea of of our lives being um, kind of an unfinished symphony, that we long for the finished symphony, this beautiful product. It's what we're searching for. It's what we're pushing ourselves for. We long for it. And as life goes on, we start to realize that, oh, the things that we thought were going to be so great, our families, our jobs, our... Um, all of these things, these ideals that we've built up as these beautiful finished symphonies and and we're disappointed when they're not that. And I'm just going to read a little bit about what he says about that. He says, accepting our limitations is not just diagnostic. It is prescriptive too. To accept that we cannot have the full symphony gives us permission to have a bad day, a lonely season a life that somehow never fully gets free of tension and restlessness. It gives us permission as well not to be too hard on ourselves, and more importantly, it tells us to stop putting unfair pressure on our spouses, families, friends, vacations, I know I've done that, and jobs to give us something they cannot give, namely happiness without a shadow, the full symphony. We have, uh, let's see, we move beyond the cancer of frustration and restlessness by precisely accepting that here, in this life, there is no finished symphony. And I just think that not as, I mean, I think in one hand that could be read as disappointment, but to me that just gives so much hope of Mm -hmm. that, like that almost frustration or longing to, what am I missing? What am I doing Mm -hmm. wrong? Why is motherhood not this fulfilling thing that it seems like it maybe is for other women? Mm -hmm. But I think accepting our our chapter and our season and our, our time of motherhood right now. I know for me, this has been really big. I know we shared in previous episodes just the story of Birdie. And I feel like I so wanted to get to a place of accepting her limitations and what her limitations brought our family because her limitations and all the therapy puts a limitation on our family. And, and rather than fighting against that or being sad about that, in the last six months, I've just kind of felt – God invite me into accepting my limitations and our family's limitations as a whole. And meaning birdie, meaning the number of kids we have and the ages that they are and the jobs that we do and how I'm wired and what my capacity is, like really accepting that. And I don't know if this analogy will make sense, but almost like allowing myself to wear it. Yes. Rather than just be trying to push it away and push yes. it away and make make the um, kind of walls of those limitations bigger and, fr- you know, further, like knock them down. Mm-hmm. But just almost just wear it as a big yes. coat of like, this is what it is. Yes. And I'm going to wear it proudly. But yes. what's giving me so much hope is to know that this is not what I'm going to wear forever. No, Like this is my right now. And I can fight it or I can accept it and let it change me and I can find the parts I enjoy. Yeah. And to me, it's brought so much freedom. Mm-hmm. And I've, I feel like annoyed at myself that it's taken me this long. Yeah. But I think that, and that limitation is going to be, it's going to be different next year than it's mm-hmm. been this year. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, in two years, yes, when they're not quite as little, you know, it's going to be a whole new world. Mm-hmm. But then we'll have all sorts of other problems and preteens and all <laughs> of that. But that's just been really helpful to me. So I would love for you, mom, to just speak to some of the moms listening. And, and I want to know, what would you say to the mom right now who's listening who feels like her limitations are suffocating her, who maybe feels like the loss of independence mm-hmm. um, of having children, especially if they're young, is just she loves her kids, but it's, it's hard and it feels like those limitations are suffocating, they're not freeing. And I, that's where I was six months ago. Like what would you say to her right now?
2: I think, especially for this generation
1: of young women who've rightfully
2: been told and and educated towards you can you can do it all, you can do anything, you can be anything right and wrong. there is like your generation has been allowed to dream, yeah like almost no other really no other generation of women yeah. in the United States, and very few places in the world have the luxury of being able to dream like you've dreamed. So from early on, you've dreamt of a very satisfying, successful um, life, whatever that would look like to you. And now you're raising children and maybe doing some other things as well that are not as satisfying as you thought. So Rather than go back to the old metaphor that we use all the time, seasons of your life, Mm -hmm. I remember, and I'm no expert on this, but for years, your dad, as a worship pastor in a very large church, every year they would do recordings Back then mm-hmm. it was on records, like the real vinyl yeah, records. Yeah. And I'd usually go along and um, watch or be part of it, kind of pray through it, obviously having no music to contribute <laughs> to contribute to it. But one of the things they did is they laid down tracks. So first it would be the rhythm track, the drums mm-hmm. and the bass. And it wouldn't make a lot of sense if you heard just that. And then they would add the guitar or they would add the keyboards to it. So you could see layer upon layer upon layer that none of which sounded very good all by themselves. But then they would mix it Mm. and be this big technical guy who also had musical gifts and he'd be moving dials all over the board. And you'd come out with this beautiful, beautiful, Mm. rich, valuable, useful recording. Yeah. I think that's where you are in your life right now. You are laying down the drum track. And you're mm-hmm. laying down the base. You're you're laying the basics down, and then you're next season of your life, you're going to lay down some guitar, and you're going to lay down yeah. some melody, and then you're going to add some harmony. And what you're going to come out with is bigger than what you dreamed mm-hmm. about when you yes. were a young girl planning for your future. Mm-hmm. You might have hoped you would have been, uh, you used maybe you love art. You maybe you would have thought you would have used your love of design mm-hmm. and, um, to be a designer, but maybe yeah. God has something so much richer yeah. ahead for you because you're learning all the different facets of designing a family yeah. and relationships and the meaning of the poetry behind it. Whatever that looks like for you, if you could just tell yourself, I'm just not that far into the
1: recording yes. yet. Yes, that's such a good picture because we all know like just, just drums by themselves, Brooke would be frustrated with me right now. Just drummed <laughs> by itself doesn't sound very good. No, it's kind of it annoying. Doesn't. It's Brooks, a great drummer. But with layered, with all of those, and each of those tracks is kind of not as significant by itself as it is altogether. That's just such, I can, total, I can see that picture. And I just feel like we can all see that picture.
2: I was talking to a, a fellow writer once, and he said to me that he wished he'd waited a little bit longer before he published his first book before because it would have given him time to find his voice mm. which in writer ease is meaning the way that you write most naturally whether it's in short succinct sentences or for me I write more feminine and elaborate I yeah. elaborate and more feeling and I think that's what you're doing right now too you're finding your voice mm. and you don't know you you might think you know what it is you might have gone to school for certain things but you're finding out what your truest voice is yeah. that's unique, it's beautiful, that the world needs. Yeah. You're practicing right now in your home and your children, and there are years ahead. Yeah. That you have to really um, bring it to its best beauty. My mentor, Muriel Cook, who passed away just a few, a couple of months ago, she was a mm. beautiful woman. Yeah, she was. Generation ahead of me. And um she said to me one time something that really I chafed against, didn't like it all. And I mm-hmm. can imagine you chafing <laughs> against it even more in this generation, but I think it's true. She said, Diane, a woman earns the right to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's as true for men, but I think even now, even now in our culture, to some degree, we as women are are in the in the depths of these relationships of raising our kids are earning the right to be heard or to be seen in a sense because there's a maturity mm-hmm. happening in us that yeah. can perhaps is much harder to happen if you don't have if you don't have yeah. this opportunity to pour out the way you're doing right now. Yeah. It will add depth and beauty to whatever your calling is.
1: Yeah. And I and I, I think what you're saying is it gives us a power and a influence mm-hmm. and a provenness. Yeah, yeah, that and I, and I would say even further than that, an empathy for other people. Oh, yes. That um just is a natural byproduct mm-hmm. of investing in our family's lives and enduring the hard parts mm-hmm. of motherhood that I think is just there's all these gifts and I think if we can just keep those perspectives on the days where it does not feel like a gift and we're Worn out, and I, you know, I know for me, and I think you would agree, gratitude is huge. Yes. And I think the perspective of these are my gifts Duke, Scarlett, Bertie, Sloan, yes. Brooke, my husband like the second I forget that. Is the second that I'm frustrated that they're interrupting me, frustrated that I can't take mm-hmm. a shower alone without somebody crying outside the door, you know, but when yeah. I, when I can choose and it's a choice, like I don't naturally always have that perspective in front yeah. of my mind, but choose to every day. These are my gifts. This yes. is a privilege, yes. not in a fake way, not that not like fake, a fake oh, this is such a privilege, yeah. but a choice. Like, I think that is so important. And I think, I think that. I know for me, and just speaking even to the stay-at-home moms, you know, it's a sacrifice to live it off is. of one income. Regardless, I mean, no matter what, I feel like it, it, it's a sacrifice. And you have to get really creative. And, mm-hmm. and there's things, a lot of things that we don't do. Yeah, and don't have. Yeah, and when I focus on those things, I lose the total perspective that this is what I've chosen. I've chosen to stay home with these kids. And the freedom, the fact that I have that choice is a gift and a privilege. Like it is a privilege. And when I can keep that perspective, that changes everything. I am Mm -hmm. much more joyful about going without. I'm much more thankful for everything that I have now. And I know that is not every mom's story. I know there are yep. so many moms listening who are working full time and they would love nothing more yes. than to be staying home and do the monotonous mm-hmm. thing. So could you speak to her too? The mom listening who I, – I, two, two things. Just let this start mulling over mm-hmm. in your mind. The mom listening who is working full time and she's trying to be an intentional mom and she wants to spend more time with her kids and she feels like she's drowning in all of that. Yep. And then maybe the mom who has chosen to step away from a career or work part-time or change the career, who's at home with her kids because she thought that's what she wanted, and all of these achievements she's still longing for and feeling like, all of these other people are getting to go do those things, and is she making the right choice? Yep. Like, I know those are kind of two different things. Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I think for those they're moms? different
2: and they're same because they're both self-sacrificing. Yes, the intentional mother who has to work full time, or she has a vocation, yeah, like that that requires oh, yeah. that she use that in a responsible way, yeah, and yet she comes home, she doesn't go necessarily she might not have the luxury of the gym after church.
1: Yeah. I mean after work, work.
2: or she might have the, not be able to make the kind of fun meals that she would healthy meals yeah. that she would like to because she's intentionally pouring into her children. Yeah. right up until they go to sleep. And then she's yeah. falling exhausted, having neglected herself. Yeah. She is sacrificing for the better of her children Absolutely. as well. Yeah, And the woman who's put her career on hold because it is possible for them to trim the budget down for her to do that. She's sacrificing because she's yeah. seeing some of the people maybe she went to school with getting ahead faster yeah. than she is. As well as the mom like you are, who's set it all aside to full-time focus on this. Every one of those are self-sacrificial and that is part of the beauty of womanhood. Yeah. So we when God increases our capacity to do what he did. He gave it all. Yeah. Out of love for us. And that might mean that you have to Well, it does mean you have to take care of yourself. Absolutely, You know, it's not a me-first idea, but if you're not well, if you're not healthy emotionally and physically and in every way, then you're you're not going to be pouring into your kids' good stuff.
1: Yeah. I've heard it said, and and I love this, you know, when you're on an airplane and it says, they always say to put on your own oxygen mask before you help a child. Yes. Because you can't help the child if you can't breathe. Yes. And I think we have this, you know, and I think maybe lately the talk is more about self care and I think that's all really good. But I think there's this weird stigma with motherhood that like we're selfish to take that time or um, we're indulging ourselves. And we, we almost poke fun at the moms who get to take these moms weekends away or whatever. And I just think we need to like, obviously within reason, but we need to champion moms who are because, and that's a sacrifice. The whole family has to sacrifice a little bit for that, but We have to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. to be able to do this. Absolutely. Like to not just limp along. Yes. And so we need to find those like micro moments, which is yep. primarily what we're gonna have. And then those things we can look forward to, even Absolutely. if it's six months from now, mm-hmm. where we can know that we're gonna be filled back up a little bit to go exhaust ourselves some more. Yeah. yeah. For
2: for example, for me, when I was raising four children, we didn't have money for babysitters once we moved away yeah. from family who were hundreds of miles away in California when we were in Portland. I read every day. And I mm-hmm. would hear people say, I don't have time for reading. I just cannot, for me, the way I'm wired up, I can't imagine a world without reading. Yeah, And even though I, I poured into my family, there wasn't, I don't think, a day in my entire life that I haven't sat down at some point in time yeah. to read. With your cup of tea. Yes, with a cup of tea. And so, and yet look at that is what has informed my choice of after young motherhood Mm -hmm. career as well. So that's that kind of caretaking that is essential for me to be a whole person. I have to have a break at some point or at least before bed to have some time to read. Yeah, and for mothers who are wondering if that's selfish, I think that's just healthy. Yeah, and of course, we all know that. You know, our kids do not want to hear from us that we sacrificed our entire lives for them. Yeah, that's a secret. I mean, you and I can talk about it now because Mm -hmm. you're doing it and you can recognize it,
1: but that should
2: never come up between us. That was my choice for them to bear. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, and I hope we do more of these yes, because I, I just love this. But just one scripture that has just stuck out to me recently, and, and I feel kind of two things about that I want to kind of close us with and ask you to maybe speak to is Proverbs 31, um, verse 25. It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Or in other translations, it's she smiles at the future. And I think when I read that, you know, depending on the day, some days I feel like, oh, man, I want to smile at the future. But right (laughs) now it feels like this is the future. Um, And then other days it gives me so much hope because I, you know, I have you to look to and others who I see, man, there's there's cool stuff ahead. And not Mm -hmm. that that what I'm doing right now isn't wonderful and important, but there's there's things to smile about and Mm -hmm. there's. And even like the fruit that we're praying into and sowing into that I hope I get to see in my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something to smile about. But I think that is so key right there. Like strength and dignity are her clothing. Like that's what we put on every day, that coat of limitation. You know, there's strength and dignity in that. But being able to have that perspective to be smiling at the future. Like any closing thoughts on that, mom?
2: I just would love to be able to pray for the moms right now who don't see their futures clearly and are suffocating under the weight of the constant need of their little ones. And uh, let's just pray. Yeah, I love that. Father, you are so good to us. Mm. Lord, help us to remember that. That you even would put this phrase in your word um, strength and dignity are the clothing of a beautiful woman. This is the kind of woman we want to be. Lord, I pray that you would put a filter over our mouths and over what we post on social media yeah. so that it would always have this sense of beautiful dignity. That what we speak about our children, and our spouses, our husbands, each other would, would be have a dignity about it, a royalty even about it. And, Lord, we know you're strengthening us and making us more resilient and mm-hmm. giving us endurance in the midst of the hard parts of life. Yeah. But for the women right now who don't smile, who are not smiling at the future, who are not laughing at what's ahead with just delight and awe, I ask that you would give them a vision or begin to give them a vision for what you might have for them ahead. When their children are independently walking with you and well on their way to their path, to their future, pray that you would show them what's next. What what is maybe the final recording going to sound like? For those with gifts that they know and have identified, I pray that you would give them the patience to wait till they can um, finish this part of their lives until they can fully enjoy the use of those gifts and the development of those gifts. And for those who have no idea, like was my case, I pray that you would just Begin to invite them into what's ahead. Mm-hmm. Lord, I, we all need vision. Without a vision, people fail. We fail. We, we yeah. lose energy for the dailiness, the monotony, and the pressures of young ones, especially in our home. So we just ask for that kind of vision. And if we, we could speak it, vision into each other's lives, mm-hmm. to suggestions of what we see in each other. Lord, most of all, I pray that you'd strengthen us whether we're home full-time or part-time or hardly enough to satisfy our own longing. Mm-hmm. I pray that you would just multiply our time of pouring love and direction and training and discipline and hope and godliness and wisdom into our children's lives. Jesus' name, I pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mom. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed to you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing.